But I am excited to share the message with you guys today um, because God put a message on my heart. This was several, several weeks ago as I was preparing, probably a month and a half ago as I was preparing for today. I felt like God put a word on my heart for us today. And uh, this is a message that I think is gonna challenge every man in the room. But I just want you to know, I'm gonna talk specifically to the fathers and to the men today. But ladies, hear this. You could replace father with mother and you could replace man with woman and this would still challenge you today, okay? So I want you all to have ears that are open to receive God's word for you this morning. Um, But I just believe that if we all could get a hold of this, I'm not exaggerating, if we could get a hold of this, the temperature of our homes and of this church and of the kingdom of God would go up in a positive way. And so I'm asking that you'd have an open heart to say, God, what do you wanna speak to me this morning? If you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to 1 Timothy? 1 Timothy chapter one, 1 Timothy chapter one. And if you would, would you stand with me across the room as we're gonna read our text this morning? There's nothing sacred about standing, I say that, but it's just a a chance to say, God, we value your word over our own. 1 Timothy chapter one, beginning in verse one, just two verses here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, we thank you that you wanna speak to us today. God, I pray that the word that you've put on my heart would be one that we don't just hear with our ears, but we receive with our hearts, Lord. And God, that we are responsive to what you're speaking to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. You can be seated. I mean, no, there are are words and phrases uh, that naturally we have emotions attached to them. Like you hear a certain word, you hear a certain phrase, and you react. Sometimes we react positively, like, oh, I like that. I have good feelings about that word. Other times there's words where like, "I, I have negative feelings associated with that word. I don't like that word. Okay, I'm gonna put... I'm gonna put some words on the screen here in a moment and we're gonna play a game. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna put the word on and then I'm gonna ask you how many have a positive emotion, negative emotion toward that word. You're gonna raise your hand with me on that, all right? First word that goes up, really easy, work out. When you have to work out. How many have positive emotions about working out? Put your hand down. How many have a negative emotions when it comes to working out? It's okay. I work out a lot and I still don't have positive emotions for that. Okay, next word, vegetables. How many have a positive emotion with vegetables? Put your hands down. How many have a negative emotion when it comes? Okay, exactly. That's how I feel, okay? Next one, reading a book. How many have positive emotions with reading? We got some readers. That's great. Put your hands down. How many have a negative emotion? It's okay. Be honest, all right? Exactly. That's fine. All right, this next one should be fun, okay? Family reunion. How many have a positive emotion associated with family reunion? Less than reading a book, put your hands down. How many have a negative emotion? Well, if you're sitting with your family, don't raise your hand. That's not nice. Okay, a couple more words. How about the word boss? When you hear the word boss, my staff better raise their hand the first time. <laughs> Positive emotions, okay? How many a negative emotion associated with the word boss? Okay, all of you afraid to raise your hand on that one. The next one, I'm fairly confident I know the answer to this one. Politician, okay? How many have a positive? Okay, we'll skip that. How many have a neck? No, we'll just skip that one altogether. Forget that, okay? Love those. Those that are in politics, we love you. That's great, okay? Well, here we go. The last word uh, you're not gonna respond to, but I wanna put this word on the screen, and that is Father. Father. What, what emotion do you have? Now, for those of us who are, are followers of Christ and we understand God as our heavenly Father, 
I think we can have very positive emotions associated with that, can't we? Like we think of our heavenly father who provides for us, cares for us, he's trustworthy, he is a rock. That's the good news of the gospel, that the God of all creation gets to be our personal father who knows our name, who knows every hair on our head. That's the good news of the gospel. But when it comes to our earthly fathers, my guess is there's kind of a smattering of responses. My guess is there are some of you that, some of you have a positive. You're like, yep, it's all positive. My dad was awesome. I love my dad, have great memories. My guess is for some of you, it would be a negative. Maybe you didn't have a dad. Maybe your dad's passed away. Maybe this day is hard for you for a lot of reasons. Uh, maybe, maybe you had a toxic relationship with a father. This, things have been haywire and it's challenging, right? You have those kind of emotions. I don't know what it is. But my guess is there's a number of people that would be in this room that would probably, you're, not, you're like, I'm not all positive. I'm not all negative. Somewhere in the middle, <laughs> a little bit of both. Like there's some positive things, but man, there was some negative stuff when I think about the word father. How many know that makes sense because fathers are human and humans are imperfect, Right? So no matter who your father is, my guess is you probably got a little bit of each on that, on that one. But when we think about how fathers are viewed when it comes to culture, how many of you know the idea of father can actually be looked down on in pretty negative way in our culture? You know, if you watch TV shows, you look at movies, what's the image that we see of dads? A lot of times it's the bumbling idiot, right? It's the Homer Simpson type character that's just stupid and foolish and does dumb things and never thinks about things in the right way, just makes mistakes all the time. I think a lot of us can have that type of view. And, and it's more than just poking fun because culture has eroded even the value of a father in the world. The value of fathers has been diminished and has been lowered in so many different ways. And although culture has helped this shift, I think fundamentally, this is a spiritual attack. Honestly, it's a spiritual attack on God's created order in the world. You see, central to God's created order is the family. For this reason, a man should leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two become one flesh, right? They be, be fruitful and multiply. A family is born. This is central to God's vision of creation, how he sees things. And this idea of family, we have to recognize, isn't some cultural construct or some societal legacy that's been passed on from generation to generation. And it's not some archaic prison that humanity needs to free itself from. No, the idea of family is God's design for humanity. And it's not only a means for humanity to be fruitful and multiply, but it is also a design for faith to be passed on from one generation to the next. This was God's design. This is God's plan. So is it any question why fathers and the idea of family are under attack in our world? You need to understand this. Satan doesn't create. He doesn't create. He only destroys. The thief comes what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. God's design for fathers and family is under attack for the same reason his design for sexuality and gender are under attack. Satan is the father of lies, and he desires to confuse and to distort God's design and plan in the world. That's his intention, right? His desire is to sow deception, to sow confusion, to produce pain, and he's doing a decent job of that in our world. You look around, there is so much confusion, so much pain that exists in our world due to brokenness. And so this morning, I'm gonna say this. I love moms, love moms. We need moms. But hear this loudly. 
Our world is in desperate need of fathers. Our world is in desperate need of fathers. If you are a father in the room, there is literally no role in this world that is more in dire need of than fathers. But I know how fathers can feel. I know how you can feel. Because some of you probably walk in the room this morning, you feel defeated, you feel forgotten, you feel worthless. Culture wants to degrade you. Men oftentimes know what's the world word associated with masculinity? Toxic, right? No, you're whore. Men, you're no, no. You aren't needed, you're worthless, you don't deserve anything. And men, we can take this on. Maybe your career hasn't gone the way you wanted it to go. Maybe your family has not gone the way you wanted it to go. Maybe your life hasn't gone the way you wanted it to go. Maybe your finances have not gone the way that you wanted them to go. And it's really easy for us to put our tail between our legs and to just meander through life. The enemy does a great job of convincing men that they aren't needed, that they don't deserve to step up into the roles God has placed them in. I say this fairly regularly around here. And the reason I say this is because when I talk about this, I have other people say, other men come and like, that's exactly how I feel. But we can't talk about it. See, as, as a pastor, I stand on the stage every single week, right? got some 800 people that attend every week in person, a couple hundred people that are joining us online. I know God's called me to preach, so I step up here. I don't have any insecurity when I get up to preach up here. God's called me here. I feel confident in that. You know where I feel the most insecurity? Leading in my home. In my home. Why is that? Because you, you dads get this, because they see everything. <laughs> Amber sees all my weaknesses. You see all the shiny parts. She sees the parts that are embarrassing at times. My kids see that kind of stuff. And so when I try to step out, you know what I hear sometimes in my, yeah, you don't deserve to do that. Remember when you said that last week, you shouldn't step up right now. And all it takes is a moment of those thoughts and the enemy will grab hold of that lie and keep drilling it into my soul over and over again. Why? Because he doesn't want me to step up. And why do I share this? Because I know this room is full of men who have had that exact same experience that we, instead of stepping up as God has called us, we allow the lies of the enemy to take hold of us and cause us to pull back. The enemy wants to lull us into thinking that we don't matter or he tells us we're not good enough or spiritual enough to step into our God-given role, but it's a lie. God has placed you where you are and you are desperately needed. And hear this, I'm preaching it myself this morning. Greg, you are desperately needed. The world is craving fathers who will confidently step into the calling that God has for their lives. We need you. The world needs you. Your family needs you. This church needs you. The kingdom of God is in desperate need of you. All right? And so I'm coming to bring a challenging word for you this morning because you are that valuable and you are that needed. All right? So when we talk about the idea of father, I think there's two ways, two ways that we can talk about the word father. We can talk about the title and the function. The title and the function, what do I mean by that? I'm gonna illustrate this for you for a second. I don't think I've actually shared this before. I, I grew up, growing up, I was a tennis player. Um, I was, you know, I was a little dude. So tennis, you didn't have to be tall playing tennis. So praise the Lord. So I played tennis and I was actually a really good tennis player, played all the way through high school. Uh, my big claim to fame, my senior year, I got to play top 10 ranked tennis player in the country. This guy was unbelievable. 
and, and I took three games off him. I lost six, two, six, one, and I felt like I had won. <laughs> he was that good of a tennis player, okay? So when I got to college, I'm thinking, okay, I went to North Central, not really known for its tennis program or any of those kind of things. So I'm like, I'm looking for, is there anybody? I, can, I brought my bag, like, let's go. Well, we're gonna play tennis. I'll meet somebody. And I, there was like nobody that played tennis. And a couple weeks in, finally, this kid's like, I'm a tennis player. I'm like, oh, a tennis player too. Awesome, let's go out and play. About 10 seconds into playing, I'm like, you ain't a tennis player. Same <laughs> level as a person on the other side of that, otherwise it's just not any fun. And in 10 seconds, I'm like, he's, he has a racket. That's, he owns a racket. That's what he has. He is not a, he's not a tennis player. And that happened like two or three times while I was in college where I'd meet somebody. Yeah, awesome. No, nope, no, nope, but couldn't find anybody, right? Because there's a difference between the title and the function. And the same thing is true when it comes to a father. There is a difference between the title and the function because there are men in this world who have the title father, but they do not function as a father, right? There's no intentionality. They don't see the calling of that role. It's just, yep, I'm a dad, I'm a father, but have never stepped in to the function of what does that actually mean? I don't see the value in this. I'm not living the value of this title in my life. But I would say this, that I've met men, I've met men who don't have the title father, but who absolutely function as a father, right? Men who say, you know what, I don't have any kids of my own. Or maybe, you know what, I do have kids, but they're all grown and they're gone and they're kind of doing their own thing. But they take hold of this idea of being, you know what, I could be a spiritual father to somebody else. I could be a mentor to someone. I could function in the role of a father. I've known men to be that. I've had that in my life. And I think the same thing of women. There are women in, in this room that I know. Guess what? You have not been given the title Mother, you have not had children of your own, but absolutely you function as a spiritual mother to others. Some of you have experienced that in your life. And so I say this boldly, I believe that function is greater than title. Your function is greater than title. Titles are great. Like titles are great. Like I wanna be, you know, you saw the video earlier with Josiah saying, I wanna be a dad, I wanna be a dad, that's great. I remember, I remember when we had Levi and uh, you know, when they hand me the child, it's like, oh. This is an amazing moment when my first child, I'm a father now. And I remember getting in the car, and Amber remembers this, I get in the car, we're leaving the hospital, I was petrified. Any dad ever had that? Like, I'm responsible for a human now. And I'm on the road and I'm like afraid somebody's getting too close to my car. Like there was this feeling, like, like that title meant something. But, but I still say this, that titles are, are cute and they're nice, but what matters is how we live, how we function. That's what actually matters in our lives because we can hold a whole lot of titles that don't do anything for us or that we don't lean into at all. Who are we living as? And so I wanna get to our big so what this morning and we're, gonna, we're just gonna linger here for a little bit this morning as we wrap our message up together. The big so what here is very, very clear and it's this, get in the game. Get in the game. I wanted to write, get your butt in the game, but I didn't. Get your butt in the game, right? What do I mean? How many of you know what a bench warmer is? Anybody know what a bench warmer is? How many of you were a bench warmer? No, I'm not gonna make you raise your hand, okay? Right, bench warmers, what's a bench warmer? They got the jersey on, right? They're on the team, they got the title, but they are sitting and they are not in the game. They are not active, all right? 
And I guarantee you, there are some dads that may be sitting in this room right now, and if you are totally honest, that would be you. You have the title, but you have not stepped into the function of a father. You have not invested in the function of a father. And God's saying, listen, the enemy has got you stuck there. He's got you stuck there. That's not what I have for you. I have something better for you. Forget the past. Step today. Begin to step and get in the game today in your family and what you've got going on. But I know that we've got a lot of amazing dads in this place. So I don't think there's a lot of you that just don't even function at all. There's another phrase that I think of some of our dads in the room, and it's this one. You ever heard the phrase, get your head in the game? Ever heard that phrase? Who do you say that to? You say it to the person who's in the game. They're playing the game. They just got a little distracted. They're not focusing on the right things. They get focused on the wrong things. They're, they're not being intentional in the things that they got going on. It's like, whoa, I'm a little distracted here. And I don't know about you guys, but if there's a place that I would connect with, it would be that right there. Because I don't know about you, but my life gets busy. Amber said it earlier, we're literally at like a baseball game every night of the week. So it's not that I'm not functioning. It's not like I'm not involved. I'm, I'm active a lot. Like I'm very, very active. We got a lot of stuff going on. But if I'm not careful, if I'm not intentional, it's very easy to get into a place where a few days or a few, few weeks can go by and suddenly I feel like I'm not, I'm not doing anything on purpose. I'm busy, but I don't have my head in the game when it comes to my primary role of being a father, right? And so I wanna challenge us. And you love your kids, but what, what are we doing to be intentional to get our head in the game? Do we have other guys challenging us to do the same thing, right? Are we encouraging one another in this? Are we pursuing this together? Because the world is saying you, oh, you're worthless, you're worthless. The enemy's telling you, you don't deserve it. Stay back, stay back, put your tail between your legs. If we don't have someone speaking life into us, we're gonna listen to the lies and not step into what God's called us to be. Right? And I don't know about you, but my kids are too valuable for me to waste time in their life. I've only got a, I get five more years with my son, Levi. That's scary to me to think. I get five years with him. If I am not intentional, if I don't keep my head in the game, those five years are gonna go like that. And what are we doing as men to say, man, no, God, help me. Stay back. If I mess up a week, let it not turn into a month. If I mess up a month, let it not turn into a year or an entire childhood. Can I start fresh today? Can I get my head in the game? Can I get my energy focused that we all get in the game? But I want to talk to another crowd in here, and that's the guys in the room who don't have the title, Father. Here's what I want to say to you. Get in the game. You do not need the title to function as a father, okay? You do not need the title father to step into the function of a father. Do you know how many people in this church, do you know how many men in this world are craving healthy male figures and leaders in their lives? Do you know that? The guys are craving that. If you think to yourself, think about how many men have you had, just healthy men that have poured into your life. Most guys don't have many, but most guys wish they did, right? There are so many people. And so you don't have the title today. Maybe someday in the future you will, but that should not hold you back from functioning as a father, stepping in, looking to be a mentor, looking to lift others up because our world is in desperate need of fathers and there is a place for you today. Not just in the future, there is a place for you today, all right? I think about right here at Zoe. We've got our youth group, an amazing youth. Guess what? Some of those youth, they don't have dads that are in the picture. Or they don't have dads that are following Christ right now, right? 
I love that we got people in their 20s serving, but guess what? How awesome would it be some, some dads in their 40s, 50s, and 60s that would say, you know what? I'm gonna go pour into some teenagers. I'm gonna pour my life out. And even the teenagers are excited for it, okay? Like, what, what if you would lean in? We've got a group of young adults that meets on Sunday nights like 6.30 every week. Like a bunch of, there's a bunch of them that are here. Guess what? They're, some of them are craving males in their life, men in their life to be that father figure that they haven't had in the past. Guys who can help show them and guide them and direct them, those kind of things. They're le- needing those. I think about the groups. We got small groups ministry here around at the church, right? And it's an opportunity to get in relationship with other people, to pour your life into someone else. There are some of you men, I'm gonna say, there are some of you men, you're now in your 50s, 60s, 70s, and your kids aren't in the house, right? And, and you know what, you, you have interactions with them, but you're not investing massive amounts of time with them. Don't sit on the wisdom and experience God has given you. Pour your cup out into somebody else. Honestly, the greatest life you'll ever experience is not when you're getting stuff like, I show up to church to get something from Greg. No, you come and you give something and suddenly your heart gets filled up, right? We need you. The church of God needs you desperately, right? Be those men. I even think about here at the church, we've got our marriage mentorship program. It's couples who've gone through hard stuff, right? They've walked through it themselves and coming alongside other couples to encourage and to pour out their heart and their lives and their story and their experience into another couple, Like, this is the kind of stuff that is an opportunity. And so I want to challenge you, those who are fathers and those who, you know, you don't have the title, would you begin to function that way? I say the same thing to the ladies. Ladies, you have the same opportunity to be spiritual mothers to those who desperately need it, okay? There is a place for you. And this wasn't a part of my message here, but I was thinking last night, and I'm like, I reached out to Tanya. I said, Tanya, who's our discipleship pastor, she's going to be standing right over there when service is over with, okay? I'm going to have her hanging out right over there. And if you heard me talk about, man, maybe leaning in, I don't even know what that would look like to lean in, to lead a, lead a small group or to help disciple or, or encourage or mentor someone. But I think I could do something like, I'd love to know what that would look like. After service, just go chit chat with Tanya for two seconds. She would love to just connect with you, okay? But this is something every single one of us can be a part of. So what I wanna do here is we, uh, we kind of wrap up our time is I, I know that men like things really practical, right? Okay, what do you want me to do? <laughs> So I'm gonna make it real simple here this morning. Okay, how do we do this, all right? No, I'll make it real, real easy for you, okay? And so what I wanna do is I want to go back to the passage that we read at the beginning of our message, 1 Timothy. What did we read? We were at the introduction of the letter 1 Timothy. If you've never read 1 Timothy, I'd encourage you to go read that later today. But 1 Timothy is a letter from the Apostle Paul to a man named Timothy. Timothy was a guy, he had a dad, but his, his dad wasn't a follower of Christ. And Paul stepped in as a spiritual father to Timothy. And as you see in this letter, what you see is Paul modeling what it looks like to be a father in someone's life, all right? And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna walk through, we're not gonna read through this verse by verse. I'm gonna pull out the themes. There's about six things that we see Paul doing in relationship to Timothy in this. And so I want every single person, I don't care how old you are, whatever, I want you to take notes right now. So either you either pull out a piece of paper, pull out your phone and open a note on your phone because I want you to write these six things down because I'm gonna ask you to do something as we go through this. You're gonna write these six things down. And if you are a father or if you're a mother, I would challenge you to, as you're going through this to assess, how am I doing in that area? How am I doing in that area? Is there something maybe God would call me to step in a little bit, all right? If you do not carry the title Father, I want you to ask yourself and be asking the Holy Spirit, all right, in what way or who might I be able to step in and and start to be this type of a person in their life? Is there someone God might allow me or use me to help invest 
and someone else. That'll make sense as we kind of go through this, all right? So we're gonna go through these six things, all right? They're super, super deep. The way to be a strong father. Number one, spend time together. I know it's super, super complex, guys. But what you see here is between Paul and Timothy, it's so clear. These aren't two guys who never knew each other. No, they've been together. They actually did ministry together. They walked together. He has spent time investing in this. And and I might even change the word dads. I would change the word to invest time together, not just spend time together. Because some of us can be good at spending time, like we're in proximity, but hear this, proximity does not equal closeness. Just because you're in a room together, just because you're around each other does not necessarily in and of itself mean that there's a closeness there. And so there's something that we men were not real great with, but we need to use sometimes, and that's called our mouth and our words and have conversations. We don't, it's not normal for all of us. Some of us are uncomfortable getting into that. But, but that's what it means. If we wanna really have that type of a relationship with our kids, it means we've gotta start talking. I heard this when I, was, when I was younger, so I've tried to be intentional with this because I didn't have this modeled for me very well. When my kids were really young, they, they, I heard somebody say, you know, that basically everything's in 10-year gap. Like, if you do something now, you're gonna reap the benefits of that 10 years later in your children. So they said, if you want your kids to talk to you when they're teenagers, start talking to them when they're two and three and four. And so what I've tried to do with my boys is continue. I try to have conversations. Let's sit and talk, ask questions. How are you? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Because I want them talking. Is it always work? No, sometimes they're like, it's clear. They don't wanna talk to me. That's fine, okay? But we've gotta spend time to build that relationship, to foster that, all right? Number one, spend time together. Number two, I love this one. Tell your story. Tell your story. We see Paul do this in Timothy. He tells his story to Timothy. He reminds him of his story. Because his dads were really good at telling the funny story of that dumb thing we did that one time or to tell the story of that awesome thing I did when I was a kid and I threw and I struck the guy out to win the champ. We love to tell those stories. When's the last time you talked about the story of faith in your life? When have you told the story of, of the hard times, the hard times you've walked in your life, like the difficult things, the times where God came through and, and you didn't know what was gonna happen, the times where you depended on God? Like your testimony, have you ever shared any of your testimony with your kids? I think it's something every one of us, that can be so, so powerful because oftentimes our kids don't even know what's gone on in our lives. History began with their life. They don't even know what's going on in our life, all right? Third thing, encourage and inspire. I wasn't challenged by this one. You, you're looking through the book and you just see over and over Paul just encouraging and inspiring Timothy. I was challenged by this because it's really easy as a parent, and some of you will resonate, it's really easy as a parent to get focused on the negative and the things that your child does wrong. It's really easy to kind of get frustrated with those things and, and talk about those things, but what percentage of my words and my time is invested in encouraging and inspiring my kids? Like lifting them up. Think about it. You feel beat up, right? In life, it's really easy to feel beat up in your world, in your workplace, wherever you are. Our kids feel the same thing. Like they're walking through feeling the same thing. What are we doing to encourage and inspire them in the right direction? Not just encouraging and flattering, but actually encouraging them toward the right things in their lives, all right? Number four, protect. Protect. We see Timothy, or Paul do this for Timothy, where he's, he's protecting. There's two things. Number one, to protect from evil. Like, that's part of our role, dads. Sometimes we let stuff into our homes, and that's on our watch. Like, what are we doing? Are we protecting our kids? Like, it's okay at times to say no to things. It's okay to do that. Sometimes that's the right thing, right? Your job is to protect your children to the best of your ability. 
But it isn't just protecting from the evil, oh, well, from watching this movie or doing this thing. Are you protecting their theology? Are you protecting their understanding of truth? Are you pointing them toward truth on a regular? When they hear something, like there are times when I've watched a movie with the boys and like we're watching something and I'll have to say, yeah, what we just watched, that's not true, okay? That's not right. I'm just gonna make sure you understand that you can discern that that's not right, okay? Or whatever, whatever. sometimes it's just something we have to be intentional about. Are we seeing our role as a protector? Because that's part of our God-given role over our families and our children. Number five, instruct and discipline. Instruct and discipline. Okay, that's part of our role is to help instruct. And it's not just instruct like here's how you tie your shoes. And here's how, you know, it's not just those things. It is this thing of faith. Are we instructing our kids in the way to go? That's part of our role as dads to lean into the things that matter and actually to discipline when things go the wrong way. How many know that some of our families, we got two-year-olds running the family, you know, right? We got five-year-olds making every decision. No, no, there is a role that we have to lead the home toward truth, to lead them and bring discipline when it's necessary. Because discipline, what does it say? God disciplines us, why? Because he loves us. And as fathers, if we're not willing to step up and actually deal with things that need to be, I'm not talking about a heavy-handed person who's unnecessary, but if you are dealing with the right things, that is the most loving thing you can do for your children, right? Finally, number six, challenge them. Give them a vision. You see this in this section. You see Paul talking to Timothy. He's like he's calling him up to a higher level. And I think there's a lot of us in this world, honestly, that have stayed down here, living down here. Why? Because we never get a vision for something greater. We have, nobody's ever called out things in our life and say, hey, you could be more. You could do more. God, I could see God using you in greater ways. Nobody's ever done that in our life. And as parents, what if we saw that as our calling? What if dads, we saw that in our kids? Rather than to point out the weaknesses in our children, what if we saw the strength and said, man, do you see where God could take you, where he could lead you? Give them a vision for something greater than what they're experiencing right now. Now, when I think about this, I, I think about the person that probably has impacted my life as much as anybody, and that's um, who I see as a spiritual father. Uh, his name's Jerry Strankowicz, was a, was a pastor of mine. I got to work with him for about 12, 13 years. And when I, when I think about this last one, I absolutely think about that. Because uh, he gave me a vision for my life that was bigger than what I could have thought. So I remember when I, when I joined the staff, I was 23 years old, I think at the time. I was just a kid. Most of the staff was 40s, 50s, 60s at the time. So I'm just a kid on the staff. I'm just thinking, I don't know anything. I'm just kind of learning, trying to figure stuff out. About six to 12 months into me working at the church though, he pulled me aside one time. He said, Greg, do you realize that every room you're in, you're the leader? I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm the kid here. He's like, no, pay attention. Like we sit in a staff, if we have a discussion, the whole room waits to see what you're gonna say. They wanna know what you have to say. And I'm like, no, they don't. And then I started paying attention. I realized they are. And then I started noticing that I was having these other staff members in their 40s and 50s that would come into my office to ask for advice. And I'm like, I'm 23 years old. Why are you coming to talk to me? You know, a few years later, Pastor Jerry began to speak into my heart to say, hey, hey, Greg, I could see you lead pastoring someday. I could see that. I'm like, I'm a worship guy. I'm not gonna, like, well, he began to speak vision for something greater than what I could see myself. 
And if it wasn't for him doing that, I don't know that Amber and I would be here leading this church because he spoke something in there. And, and when I look at this list, I look, that's why I look at him as a spiritual father because he did all these things. I was a really hard worker. Like I was a really hard worker. So he never had to worry that I wasn't working hard enough. So sometimes he'd pop into my office and he'd say, hey, I've got an 18 point agenda we gotta go through. That meant we were gonna go play golf, okay? And so, and when we did that, you know what? He would talk and we would share and he'd tell stories. Times where he's encouraged and inspired me. Like the times when I feel beat up and he inspired me. It wasn't my dad, but he's a spiritual father in my life, right? Times when he protected me. Times where he said, Greg, you gotta watch yourself there. Be careful with that. Times when he would instruct and discipline and correction when it was needed. And ultimately saying, I'm gonna give you a greater vision right? Was he my blood? No. But he functioned as a father in my life. And I just simply call to every one of us, what are we called to be as men? I think God is calling us to step out and to function as fathers. Those who carry the title, man, step into that, get in the game in that area of your life. But those who don't carry the title, God can still use you to bring impact to other generations, to make an impact in lives and families and futures and ultimately the kingdom of God. But it requires us to not listen to the lies of the enemy, to not hold back and say, I'm not good enough. Woe is me. God can't use me. I don't got all the stuff. Guess what? God has placed you where you are and there is more for your life. Would you step up into what he has provided for you, what he has equipped you for? You may not feel like it, but he has equipped you to do supernatural things and you are desperately, desperately needed. Would we simply say, Father, because you have been a good father to me, I'm going to do my best to empty my cup into other people's lives for your glory. I'm going to invite you all to stand with me across the room. And I want to talk I want to talk to those of you who, um, who do not carry the title father, all right? Get in the game. Get in the game. You don't carry the title mother. Get in the game. What would it look like for you to, a lot of times it, it takes until we have children to suddenly get our eyes off ourselves. The best way to stop thinking about you is to have kids, just is. Okay, so those of you who've had kids, you get that. But for those of us who haven't yet had kids, it's still easy to get fixated on ourselves. And so I wanna challenge you, get in the game. Step outside of yourself and how might God use you? And again, it'll bring greater joy to your heart than anything else when you begin to invest in someone else, all right? But I wanna talk to the men and specifically the dads for a moment. I'm gonna ask us to do something. We don't do this every week. And, I, and I'm just gonna challenge you to do something. I wanna take a moment and I wanna pray over you this morning. And so if you are a father in title this morning, I want you to get out of your seat right now and I want you to come stand at this altar right now. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. If you're a dad, get out the seats, come down here. If you do not have the title father, if you do not have the title father, but you would say you are 18 years or older and you would say, I wanna get in the game and I'm right, even if I don't have the title, I'm ready to function in whatever way God would call me. Make sure you get up here. I want you to join down here as well, okay? 18 or older and you're a man, you say, I'm willing to get in the game no matter what. I want you to join me down here. Come squash down here, guys. Here we go. I'm gonna make you move down here, okay? We're gonna get tight down here. Get you all up here, all right? 
Men, look around for a second. You are not alone. Like you're not alone. I know sometimes you feel like you're alone, just trying to be a good dad, just trying to love my family, just trying to care for people. You're not alone in this. Sometimes you feel like I'm the only one trying to serve Jesus, trying to do it. No, you're not. Look around you. There are a bunch of men that are in the same place. And the enemy wants you to think you're by yourself. Figure it out. You're on your, you are not alone. And I look around and some of you are walking through hard things. No, you are not alone. There are men with you that say, you know what? We're, let's do this together. Come on, we need each other. All right? And so I want everyone in the, that's sitting out there, if you're comfortable doing so, would you just extend a hand toward these men right now? If you are here and comfortable doing so, men, I want you to lift both hands and say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. Can we just begin to pray that? God, I thank you so much. God, I thank you so much that you are calling us to greater levels. God, you are a good, good father. You love us. You care for us deeply, Lord. And we are so grateful for that, God. But God, we are asking that you would help us to get out of our comfort zone, to get out of what's easy, to get out of what's normal, and instead, Lord, to pursue you with deeper levels, to pursue you with passion, to pursue you with courage, and then, God, to live our lives in such a way, Father, that we lead our families, that we lead others to the place of knowing you, God. God, get us out of our comfort zone. Get us out of our complacency, God. Break those walls down, God. And instead, Lord, may there be a deeper passion than ever before, God. We pray that, Lord. We're asking that in the name of Jesus. Would you move?